Hey. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. How is everyone today? Good? Enjoying the rain? Yes, that's good. We needed rain really, really badly. <laughs> All right, well, we will get started this morning. Let's close our eyes in a word of prayer before we uh, read God's word. Father in heaven, we are so grateful to be here today. And our Lord, we just um, are looking forward to hearing and learning about your name and how your name should be hallowed. And Father, we are so grateful that you are our Savior, our Lord, and our King. And Lord, you are majestic, you are gracious, and you are merciful. Thank you for our opportunity to gather together here today, for the freedom that we have to do so. Teach us through your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 6. We have started this series on the Lord's Prayer, and uh, last week, um, Brandon preached on the first section here in verse 9 of chapter 6 regarding Jesus' instruction for a correct pattern of prayer. And that is that we are to address our prayer to God the Father who is in heaven. And we believe there is no other God besides the God of the Bible. And our prayers are to be offered accordingly. No matter how great a historical Christian figure may have been, or what someone else might try to convince us of, we do not address our prayers to any dead Christians, any angels, or to Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Bible is our source of information, and Jesus said our prayers are to be offered to our Father who is in heaven. A person who offers prayers to anyone but God himself is robbing God of the glory and honor that belongs to him alone. Offering prayers to anyone but God or putting anyone or anything in a place that belongs to God is idolatry. So we listen to what Jesus said in the first half of verse 9, and we pray to our Father in heaven. Now today we'll continue into the text in the second half of verse 9 which also happens to be the title for the sermon today, which is, Hallowed Be Your Name. Hallowed Be Your Name. If you're like me, this is a phrase that you've read or recited over the years, but not a whole lot of time has been spent in thinking about and studying what it actually means and what the implications are. We read it or say it and can get the basic concept, but then we're satisfied to move on to what is really important, and that is what I want to ask for. As Brandon indicated last week, the intent here is not that these are the exact words that we recite and then move on. Now, is it wrong to pray this prayer in these words? Certainly not. 
but not in some repetitious manner without understanding what we're saying. These few words encompass a lot of information. This passage has more depth and meaning to it than just the recitation of the words. And today we're going to explore what hallowed be your name means in a deeper sense. What I want to do is to start with the name portion of this passage before we talk about uh, that name being hallowed. Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Not my name, not your names, but God's name. The name of God, our Father in heaven, that is our focus when we pray. And remember the context here that in verses uh, 5 through 8, Jesus just finished instructing his followers about what they must not be like and what they must not do. So let's look at Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. They are hypocrites, those people who are lovers of self and who seek the recognition and praise of other men, not to please God, but to make their own name the talk of the town. Oh, look at Bob and how he prays. Isn't Bob spiritual? Isn't Bob a great man? This is no reference to anyone named Bob here, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I wish I was as good as Bob at praying. And that is what Bob wants, a place of honor in other men's conversations. He wants the glory that belongs to the name of God all while pretending that what he does is godly. Now, when others hear the name of Bob, it means something. They will automatically think of the things about Bob that are really great and how spiritual he is. Jesus says not to be like that. That is sinful. That glory belongs to God alone. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Parents sometimes pick names for their babies based on the fact that they just like the way they sound. Sometimes it's because of a loved one uh, that they name their children. But sometimes it's because of the particular meaning of a name. And that last reason is problematic because... We don't know anything about our children before we name them. We don't know anything about them when we name them. They're babies. They haven't become anything yet. Someone gave us a little saying in a picture frame one time. 
when uh, my oldest daughter was young. And it was supposed to go along with her name, Miranda. And it kind of became a joke because she was nothing like what was said about her name in that frame. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something to the effect of Miranda, like a quiet song in the night, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. There was nothing quiet about Miranda when she was a baby or a toddler. More accurately, I could have said Miranda, like trying to bend a two-by-four into a car seat because she would stiffen up and you couldn't get her in the seat. And so, I don't know who gave it to us. Maybe it was my mother-in-law. I don't know. Um, I don't know where it is. And if somebody here gave it to me, it was really nice. Thank you. It just wasn't true. Okay. Um, my dad and I had a lot of laughs about that one. The name Adolf means noble wolf, but when his parents named him, I'm sure they had no idea what Adolf Hitler would become. Perhaps they got the wolf part right, but now it doesn't even matter what the actual meaning of that name is because it now means something completely different. Even if the meaning of the name our parents gave us actually happened to match our character or attributes, it would not be because they knew us. It would at best be a lucky guess. Even so, we could never live up to our names perfectly or all the time because we have this problem of sin. Only God can live up to the meaning of his name and do so all the time. In fact, God has many names that he not only goes by, but always perfectly lives up to. He always perfectly exemplifies his names. His names perfectly describe his character and attributes without fail. Both the Old Testament and New Testaments of the Bible contain many names for God. And the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the first Hebrew name that we have for God is Elohim, which means the Creator God. So the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He is the Creator God. We are familiar with names like Yahweh or Jehovah, which you may have in and some of your particular translations of the Bible. These we would see in our Bibles also translated as the Lord. Now, there are many challenges in translating from Hebrew to English and Hebrew to Greek and to English, uh, including grammar and pronunciation issues, etc. But we have the meaning of the names of God used for himself and what he told the people about himself. We see God giving Moses instructions about his name when he appeared to him in the burning bush. If you'll turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3 with me, uh, we'll look at that. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Chapter 3 of Exodus, verses 13 through 15. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, 
And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So, I am comes from a word meaning to be or to exist. We remember that God is eternal, without beginning and without end. When God tells Moses to say, the Lord, the God of, that would be Yahweh or Jehovah Elohim, the creator God. So he is Jehovah, the creator God of your fathers, the creator God of Abraham, the creator God of Isaac, etc. This completely sets God apart from any other supposed God. He is making it clear to Moses and to the people that they are dealing with the one true God, the creator God. In Exodus 34, 5, and 6, God proclaims his own name. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is what God proclaims about himself. We also have in the Old Testament scriptures names for God like El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer, and Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. Other names we have for God in the Old Testament are the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord of hosts, the Lord, our banner. The Lord is present and near, and the Lord that sanctifies you. These Old Testament names for God are not exclusive to the Old Testament. They did not go away with the writing of the New Testament. They are, in fact, repeated, confirmed, and prophecy is even fulfilled in the manifestation of these names in the New Testament. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said about the birth of Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In the person of Jesus Christ, we have names like the Bread of Life, the Living Water, the Way, the Truth, and the Life the resurrection, the good shepherd. And another name given by John the Baptist when he saw Jesus approaching in John 1.29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There are many other names for God, but what we need to see is this. These names and titles tell us exactly who God is and what he is like. He is never not these names. 
and titles, and they perfectly describe his character and attributes. The best name of all is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This name fully encompasses the fact that he is Lord, Savior, and King. Jesus' life was the perfect manifestation of God's name. Jesus said to the Father in his prayer in John 17, 6, I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. And Jesus could do this because, according to Hebrews 1, 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the name above all names. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. <clears throat> the words, your name, should carry this kind of weight when we think of God. Your name means all of his names because he just is all of them perfectly forever. We must know God's name. We need to know God's name. What power, what glory, what majesty there is in his name. When we truly know his name, there is only one response. And Psalm 910 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Now that we know God's name, we can talk about what it means that his name would be hallowed. The phrase, hallowed be your name, is really the first of six petitions in Jesus' model prayer here. It is a request of the one who has the authority to grant it. It is an ask like the other five, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when Jesus says to pray in this way, he is not telling us to recite these words as a statement of fact, although it is a statement of fact that God's name is hallowed. But he is telling us to ask God, to petition God to make it so. Hallowed be your name. Father in heaven, make it so your name is hallowed. Hallowed is a word we don't use in the English language anymore. And what it means is to make holy. And when we pray in this way, we are asking that God's name would be made holy in our life, in the life of the church, and in the eyes of the world. Not made holy in the sense that it is not already holy, but that it would be regarded as holy. Now, let's be clear. We do not make God's name holy. It just is. We cannot add to the holiness of his name, and he does not need us to do anything to make his name holy. We are in this prayer, agreeing with God that His name is holy and asking that God's 
public reputation be that he is holy. We are asking him to make it known by any means he determines to use. One of the ways God's, God has hallowed his name is by all that we've already looked at uh, in regard to his different names and how they describe himself. And knowledge of God, of who God is and what he has done is our reason for hallowing his name. This prayer is right in the middle of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. From chapter 5 through chapter 7 of Matthew, Jesus is giving instruction for living a godly life in obedience to the Word of God. We've been focusing on his instruction here about prayer, but this idea of God's name being hallowed is absolutely connected to the whole sermon that Jesus has been preaching. We can say the words, hallowed be your name, and tell people God's name is hallowed, and it is to be hallowed. But if we do not listen to and live the words of Jesus in what came before and what goes after this model prayer, we're not actually hallowing his name. In other words, when we sin, we do not hallow his name. We dishonor his name. We send a message to the world that his name really isn't all that important. And this prayer is telling us what God's own priority is, and that is that he would be honored and glorified and set apart. And when God acts, he does so for the sake of his own name. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah 48. Isaiah chapter 48, verses 9 through 11. Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Ezekiel 36, 21 and 22 says, But I had concern for my holy name which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. If God pardons, he does so for his name's sake. If he punishes, he does so for his name's sake. That is God's priority. Our priority should be that what we do in life is for his name's sake, because that is all that matters. We can show that our desire is for God's name to be hallowed by our thoughts, our words, and our actions. 
And we can show that it is not our desire for God's name to be hallowed by our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And summing up what Jesus said earlier in Matthew 5, verses 3 through 11, Blessed be the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And remember that all of these things that Jesus describes perfectly describe him. Jesus followed that up with telling Christians in Matthew 5, 16, that they're a light of the world and that we should not let, and that we should let that light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is his priority. We hallow his name when our lives cause others to give glory to God. When we are unjustly angry, when we lust, when we divorce, when we can't be trusted, when we don't love our enemies, we cause others to have a wrong view of God and to hold his name up to contempt. And this whole message from Jesus is that we are to be different. We are to be set apart, holy. Why? Because that is what God is, and that is what he calls us to. Verse 48 in chapter 5 of Matthew says, You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is what we are called to. Since only God is truly holy, this kind of holy living is not possible for us apart from salvation in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So we must pray. We must pray a prayer like the one Jesus is giving here. When we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are asking God to work that out in our own lives by his power, whatever the cost, whatever way he sees fit, and to do it for his own name's sake. Our petitions should first and foremost bring glory and honor to God. And the granting of requests should put a spotlight on God and not on the petitioner. However, we still benefit from the granting of requests that honor and glorify the name of God. And then we move on to the personal needs. We must be careful not to use God's name in vain as a cuss word or an exclamation of disgust. This is sinful and sends a message that God's name is not important and can be tossed around any way we please. It is called blasphemy, and it does not hallow his name. We must not believe false teachings about God. 
including false teachings about prayer. That is why reading and knowing God from His Word is essential to His name being hallowed. There are tons of books out there about prayer, but beware. These will try to teach you a new way to pray, a new way to get God to hear your prayer, as if God forgot to mention something about how to pray to Him. There is no new way to pray and no better way than what Jesus has laid out. Draw a circle here, stand this way or that way, clear your mind, contemplative prayer, breath prayer, centering prayer, and on and on it goes. Please avoid these things. They are not biblical. You don't have to do any special things to pray. These are all things that are centered around you and how you feel about your prayer. And remember that it is about God and His name. You absolutely cannot go wrong if you just follow Jesus' pattern for prayer. Well-meaning Christians are being led into idolatry and self-focus and mysticism by these types of prayers. And we must stop opening ourselves up to man's ideas about prayer. Read your Bible, study your Bible, and the glory, the majesty, the greatness, the justice, the mercy, the grace, and the holiness of God will be made known to you. And your response will be to cry out in prayer that agrees with God about who He is and petition God to make His name known among every nation. That is the priority of prayer. The prayer of the Christian is simple, yet profound. Knowledge of God through His Word and the help of the Holy Spirit within us is all that is needed for true prayer to take place. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask Him. Hallowing God's name is not just about reciting His names, but about acknowledging that those names perfectly describe His character and attributes. We might verbally say those names, but we should marvel at the truth that God is those names. Why is knowledge of God's holiness necessary? Knowledge of the holiness of God makes right prayer the automatic response. When we come to know God and every facet of His holy name and how He has revealed Himself in Scripture we would be ashamed to prop ourselves up. Revelation 15.4 says, Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Hallowed be your name is the gateway to the rest of this prayer. When we know and hallow the name of God, we will know what it means for His kingdom to come, and we can let go of all else. We will know what it means for His will to be done, and we can cast aside our own will to follow Him. We will know what it means that God, that it is God and God alone who provides our daily bread. And we will know what it means that He alone delivers us from evil. Failing to give God honor and reverence 
that he is worthy of does not make him not worthy. It does not take away or make it not true of him. The problem is that we begin to drift away from believing it and fearing him, and our view of God gets lower and lower. This pattern for prayer from Jesus is the antidote to the poison of self-righteous, hypocritical, self-focused prayer. When we pray this kind, with this kind of mindset, Christ lays out here, knowing who God is and what he has promised, we glorify and honor the creator God and we show reverence and awe with godly fear. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So when we pray, let's agree with God that his name is worthy to be hallowed. Let's boldly proclaim his righteous works, character, and attributes. And let us ask him to continue to make it known to us and to the church and to the watching world for his name's sake. To the glory of our Father in heaven and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Help us, Father, to think about that and what that means. Help us to think about your names, every character trait, every attribute of yours, that you are eternal, that you are Savior, that you are healer, mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting Father. You are gracious, merciful, and kind. Lord, when we pray, help these things to enter our minds that we can agree with you and ask, Lord, that you would continue to make it so in our lives. I pray, Lord, that our words and our actions and our thoughts would hallow your name. Help us, Lord, to have a right view of you, a right understanding of you. That, Lord, that knowledge and understanding from the word of God will lead us into proper prayer, putting the priority on you and your holy name. Strengthen us, Father. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and uh, sing a final song this morning. I'll be down front if anybody needs prayer for anything. I've heard a 